Welcome to the Laura Mayer Podcast. I'm your host, Laura Mayer, and I'm so glad you are with me today. First, a disclaimer. All my kids are inside right at this exact moment when I'm recording this podcast, and they're all just being so good, although they're being so loud, but like good loud, like nobody's hurting each other, and they're all behaving, and so instead of rocking that boat and making them all be super quiet and undoing the fun things they're doing right now, I just came outside. So I'm sitting on my back porch, which is great, but right behind me is the AC unit, so if you hear that, and I also live near an airport, so if you hear that, and the neighbors behind me have a ton of dogs, if you hear that. So there's just, we're going to call it background noise today, but it's still better than super loud kids, maybe? So anyway, I'm super excited. I say that a lot, y'all. I get excited about everything. No, that's not true. I get excited about the word. I get excited when the Lord shows me things that change my life because the word changes my life. The word, you know, those that know me know I am very much a productivity driven person. I like to see progress. I love remodeling. I love painting. I love mowing the grass. I love creating new things. I, I just love seeing things being accomplished. I, and the thing I cannot stand is wasting time. I don't like to feel like I'm wasting my time. Or that I'm spinning my wheels on anything. So I'm not going to give time to something that doesn't work. Y'all, the word works. The word has changed my life. The word of God has breathed life into dead places inside of me that I had done everything within my own power to bring back to life. Or had me um, break free of things that I'd done everything in my own power to break free from. And that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about the hamster wheel. The will where you feel like you are giving it your all. There's a certain area, let's say, and I'm just going to go and assume everybody's got a certain area that maybe a couple of things that you're just really working on and you feel like, you know, you're, you've given it a lot of focus, you've given it a lot of attention, but it's an area where you just continue to struggle. And that could be all the, you know, something maybe small in society's eyes, like maybe just, um, a personal character trait inside of yourself, maybe a certain attitude that maybe nobody else even knows about, but the Holy Spirit's convicted you on it, so you've been working on it, all the way to something that is much more visible to everybody around us. Let's say it's an addiction. Let's say it's an addiction you have struggled with your whole life, and maybe it's something super embarrassing that you hadn't really even talked to a lot of people about or or whatever it is, and, and you've even, because of this effort inside of you to fix this, and it, hasn't, it still hasn't worked, that there's some self-hatred boiling up inside your heart where you loathe yourself when, once again, you mess up in this area. Let's talk about that today. Doesn't that sound like fun? Yes, it does. Because by the end of this podcast, I guarantee if you will open your heart up to receive the seed of the Word of God that's about to be planted in you, you will see this area of your life differently. The struggle will get smaller. It will be the same as something that you thought was a mountain. It's going to shrink down to molehill size. So join with me today. So the hamster wheel. I want to start off by saying, and I'm probably going to say this a couple of times in this podcast, that when I see someone continually struggling with the same thing over and over and over and over, I'm not saying, you know, mistakes or, you know, we we all are human and we all fall short at times. And I'm so grateful for repentance and I'm so grateful for the grace of God. 
Um, but I'm talking about like this re- a repetitive something that you feel that you have just struggled with for so long. It feels like this friend that won't leave you alone, <laughs> like this annoying something that's just latching hold of you. So when I see someone who's continually struggling with the same thing over and over and over and over, I know that they do not have a revelation of their new image in Christ. They have no concept of their new nature. What new nature am I talking about? I'm talking about the one in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, where it says, He who is in Christ is a new creation. Old things are gone. New has come. I think we hear that scripture and we think, He who is in Christ, so he who has asked Jesus into their heart, forever and ever and ever has to try really, really hard to be this picture of new creation, but it's probably going to mess up a whole lot. And really, underneath is still that old creation. We don't say that. But I think I think if we really believe what that scripture said, we would view it differently. Now, the Bible says that he who's in Christ is a new creation. Anything that was part of your old nature, anything in the old nature here is just, is not only you before Christ, but mankind before Jesus came. So, so it's bigger than just your personal struggles. It, all the things that mankind struggles with, all the things that sin brought into this world, that's all lumped up into team hell. And after Jesus, we have access to team heaven, all the things that Jesus made available to us that exist in heaven. You know, he, he prayed, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, um, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's Jesus's heart, is that we live in heaven while we're still on earth. But there's so many things from that old sinful nature that try to follow us in to our new in Christ realities. So when I see that in someone, I see somebody that needs a revelation that they are now a new creation. So I'm going to give you three keys here because I love, I love numbering things for whatever reason, but that's how I learn. And it's not like the end all be all. So this is not the concrete only three things, but these are three things that, that I've identified. Number one, it is critical that you shift in your brain what side of the cross you're on. Now follow me here. If you are constantly asking the Lord to remove something out of your life, remove a desire, remove um, a habit, remove a behavior pattern, then you're asking him to do something that he's actually already done. So you're putting yourself kind of in back in Old Testament mentality, looking forward to the cross and saying, Jesus, please will you do, you know, X, Y, and Z. When actually... When Jesus died on the cross and he said, it is finished, he meant it. He was talking about so many things there, but he was talking about the reason why he was brought to earth had been accomplished, that he had ransomed mankind back to God. And so all the things that were under the curse, sin, sickness, destruction, all of that stuff from being able to have legal authority in our lives, Jesus won that authority back for us. And so when you're asking the Lord to remove something, that's 
you, that's not quite accurate in, in how you're perceiving it because you're, you're speaking future tense. You're asking him to do something and then you sit and kind of wait for it to happen. And then if you continue to still struggle with that issue, you just assume maybe the Lord's leaving it with you a little bit longer. And that's, that's not biblical. And that's, that's not, but, but that, that, that teaching is kind of popular. You know, you hear it around a lot, but it's really not what, if you have a revelation of the new covenant in our covenant through Christ, you see that that's, that that's legally not how things worked. And so that's not how it, it works in our life. So instead, shift your perspective that you are now on the finished side of the cross where you can stand your ground as a child of God and look back over your shoulder and say, thank you, Lord, that you already set me free from this thing. And it's trespassing. Because, see, I've been bought by the blood. And so I'm already this new creation. I already have a new nature on the inside of me. That sinful nature died with Jesus, died with him, and then I was raised to life with him. That's why we say that when people are baptized, that it it symbolizes um, dying with Christ and raising with him, that you're now a new creation. When you come up out of that water, it's symbolic of that. So keep in mind what side of the cross you're on. You're on the finished side. You're on the side where now you receive everything that you need from heaven through faith. Through And faith is a rest. Faith is not a try hard. Faith is not gumption and effort on your part. If gumption and effort on your part could have saved you, whether it be talking about like eternal salvation or save you from any of the other things that are encompassed in that word, sozo, salvation, your healing and wholeness and deliverance and peace of mind and all those things. If you, if gumption and grit could have done it, then there would have been no reason for Jesus to come because thousands of years in the old Testament proved that mankind could not fix our problem ourselves. So Jesus came. So it's important that you see yourself now on the finished side of the cross and you look back over your shoulder and say, thank you, Lord, for what you've already done. So let me put this in regular terms. Instead of running from something, run to something. Instead of constantly looking back at your old self, as something you're trying to get free from. Instead, look toward your new who you are in Christ now, what the Word says about you now, and run towards that as, as your new reality. So many times when we're trying to outrun something, let's say we're trying to outrun anxiety. We're trying to work hard enough to not be anxious anymore. It doesn't work like that. Instead of saying, I don't have anxiety, I don't have anxiety, I don't have anxiety, that's, that's just denial. Instead, speak things that be not as though they were. Instead of speaking things that be as though they weren't. That's not how you would interpret that. So speak things that be not as though they were. So right in the middle of an anxiety attack, y'all, I've done this, it works. Say, I thank you, Lord, that I have a sound mind. Draw on that new image that he's given you. Draw on your new nature where he's the restorer of your soul, which includes your mind where all that anxiety is resting So instead of trying to outrun an anger problem, because you know that the destructive, yeah, destructive anger that you've been operating in is not healthy for you or your family, but yet things just trigger it and you kind of feel like you're out of control. Instead of beating yourself up, when you feel that anger boiling up, grab a hold of your new nature and say, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that I don't respond the way that old man used to respond. 
I thank you now that I am an example of Christ to my family. And I respond with the love of God that's been shed abroad in my heart and made available to me for me to give out to others. So see how that's different? Instead of running from something out of your own gumption and grit, you're running to something. You're running to what God has laid out before you. This reminds me of Philippians 3.14, where the Apostle Paul is talking about how he presses forward toward the prize. He doesn't look back anymore. He's, he's pressing forward. He's not going to look back at his old self. He's not going to keep consulting his old reputation. He's not going to keep looking back at how he used to would have responded to something or how something would have used to have tr- triggered him. That's not even correct grammar. How something in his past would have triggered a response. He's not even looking back at that. He's saying, Mm-mm, Lord, I thank you. I receive this new nature that you've given me and I press forward. You will never outrun something if your mindset is to outrun, like out of your own strength. Instead, run to something. Second point, is, and I've already kind of tied it all in, understanding that new nature. You've got to understand that there was a dividing line. I think I've already talked about all that. I jumped around on my notes, but I do want to inter- interject here that um, there is a amazing uh, women's recovery home here in Middle Tennessee that I have the honor of going and teaching at on a regular basis. And one of the things I love about this place, it is such a whole person approach to recovery. And it's a long-term recovery home. It's about 18 months where women can go uh, with their children. But one of the things that they push so strong is the fact that these women are now a new creation in Christ. Instead of having them dwell on the fact of once an addict, always an addict, which is contrary to what the Word of God says, they focus on biblical truth that they were an addict, but now they've been reborn into Christ and that they're now a new creation who doesn't have to respond the way that they used to respond. And it is amazing to see the transformation in these women's lives. And if any of you guys are listening, I love y'all, Blue Monarch ladies, I love you. So it's just amazing. And they have like a 90% success rate of women graduating this program, set free and delivered from the chains of addiction. And it's because they had to have a mind shift of how they saw themselves to quit seeing themselves, how they always had, or maybe how others had seen them. And the final point is you've got to feed the new you. Now that you understand that you've got a new nature and you understand that you it's not enough just to run from something. You've got to run to something. Run to who you now are. Quit consulting who you used to be. You've got to feed this new you because it's, it's kind of a baby. And we talk on here a whole lot about the difference in spirit, soul, and body. But it's your spirit man that's the core of who you are. And then that flesh area is in your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. But the part of you that you feed is the part that gets to be the boss. So the struggle will lessen the stronger your spirit man is. And especially when you are able to let go of those old chains of not identifying yourself with that old soulish realm any longer, but identifying with your new reborn spirit. Even if you were born again 20 years ago, but this is a fresh concept to you, take a hold of it like it just happened today. This fresh revelation 
that you do not have to just spend the rest of your life spinning your wheels trying to overcome sin and trying to overcome all those things that were represented under under the curse when Adam and Eve fell and sin was allowed to enter the world. Instead of looking at yourself as always having to struggle, no, Jesus struggled for you. Receive what he has already done. You will use this formula the rest of your life. Oh my goodness, whenever there's an area that's starting to pop up to struggle, because, you know, every new level you go up in your life, um, new territory that the Lord's bringing you into, there's going to be things that pop up in your heart that are maybe things that were buried deep down. Um, but each new level, it's awesome how the Lord wants to continue healing you on a deeper and deeper level. And so he may bring up something in your heart that's an area that he's ready to deal with. And so that's how you deal with each new thing is identifying with your new nature, submitting to God and letting him pull out anything left in there, left from the old nature, the old way that you was used to would have done something. So I want to leave with uh, the parable of the prodigal son, or some of our Bibles call him the lost son. And I know this is a parable that we often talk about, um, like as far as um, maybe someone who has given their life to the Lord, but they've backslidden, or if you're not familiar with that term, backslidden, that's I don't think that's even in Scripture, but it's just what kind of church calls it. Um, you've walked away from God. Maybe you've been doing life your own way and haven't haven't walked your life out fully submitted to him. So a lot of times we, we use this parable of the prodigal son, the lost son, in that context. But I wanna I wanna share that story with you with a different context. With a son who didn't fully understand his new nature. A son who still identified with someone who didn't belong to royalty. So I'm going to start reading. And that's actually in Luke. I'll, I'll paraphrase some of this. But it's Luke chapter 15. And starts with verse 11. And it says, Jesus continued. There is a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all that he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. So he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you, and I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. 
So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. But you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. My son, the father said, you are always with me and have everything that I have and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And that's the end of that parable. So I know this is often quoted when referring to someone who's fallen away from the Lord, but I want you to see some key points in here that apply to those of us who've never had a revelation of our new identity in Christ. First of all, um, this, you know, one of the brothers, the, the first one, the prodigal, wanted, here he was in the king's home, or maybe not, he maybe wasn't the king, but it, he had servants and he had, you know, it sounds like a huge home and all of those kinds of things. So a, a master of, of a lot of things. So wealthy man. Everything that that son needed already belonged to him for being a son. But this son tried to go out into a, a new land, took, you know, took the liberties, took what God had given him, let's say, took what his father had given him, but squandered it all. And he found himself in a pig pen so many times that is exactly what happens when we think we're doing the very thing to bring peace and joy to our life. And all it does is cause more pain and suffering. Anytime we try to do something outside of our identity as a son or a daughter of God, it's going to backfire because we're going against our nature. We're going against how we were created to function. And so you see this son and he ends up in ruins where he was feeding the pigs and even looking at the pig food and begging the master of the pigs if he could eat their food and he was given nothing because they were in famine. Y'all, it's famine in the world. There is nothing out there because the world teaches you that you should be self-sufficient and all-knowing in and of yourself and that you're enough all on your own and all this stuff. And this is not true because it's not how we were wired. We are wired to be dependent we are wired to be needful of a Savior. But oh, when we know whose we are in Him, then we're unstoppable. Because if God be for us, who can be against us? And when you have an understanding of your new nature and who God made you to be, no devil in hell is going to be able to talk you out of it. But I love the part where he decides to come back to his father. But he still had a wrong view of who he was. He assumed that because he had made so many mistakes that somehow he would be less in his father's home than he was previously, that he would have a lesser standing, that the father would hold against him the mistakes of his past. So that was the attitude that he came to his father with. How many times do we do that where we just, we say these prayers that sound oh so religious, but I have a feeling that the Lord just rolls his eyes at them, if not gets a little perturbed about them. When we come and we say, Lord, we're just so unworthy, you know, we're just scum of the earth. 
That's not who he made you to be. Get up off the ground and dust yourself off and stand upright. If you've repented of those things, quit bringing them back up. Quit letting the devil bring them back up in your heart and in your life. It's like being chained to the dead man that you used to be. No wonder you're not able to run fast because you're chained to that old carcass of the old you. Let it go. Quit, quit thinking it's holy or righteous to keep remembering who you used to be. That somehow that's humility. Mm-mm. You're getting in agreement with what the devil, his M.O., of always reminding you of who you used to be. God always reminds you of who he's made you to be. It's a big difference there. But I love where it says that while the son was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. You know, for that father to have seen him while he was still a long way off, that father had to have spent daily time. I just know this in my heart, just being a parent, that daily time looking for his son. He didn't know the exact day and time he would come back or if he would come back. But he was out there looking. And the Bible says when he was still a long way off, the father saw him and ran to him and had compassion on him. So glad that he decided to return to the identity to which he had been born. And I love that the father didn't even answer him when he said, you know, I'm no longer even worthy to be called your son. The father didn't even like acknowledge that. He just turned to the servants and said, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. You guys, I think that's my favorite verse in this whole passage. That robe, I believe with all my heart, represents the robe of righteousness. He's saying, you're not here because of your standing, because of your righteousness. You're here because of my righteousness. I talk about that on a previous episode called Righteousness in Ball Gowns. I don't remember the number, but you can go back and look it up. So the Father here clothes him in righteousness without even consulting who he used to be or talking about the mistakes of his past. And then he says he put a ring on his finger. That ring symbolizes authority. When you understand who you are as a son and a daughter of the Most High God, there's righteousness that comes with that, and there's authority that comes with that. So when Satan starts to try to mess with you again, you handle it different because you handle it with as someone with authority. And put sandals on his feet. I love that sandals, you know, in the armor of God are talked about as our feet being shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. I love that the father put peace on his son's feet. That is powerful. And then they brought the fattened calf and they killed it. A lot of times they would they would um, incorporate in into their feast. Of course, you know, slaughtering an animal. But that was also such a covenant act. And promises were exchanged and vows were given during these celebrations and these feasts. And the father said, this son of mine who was dead is now alive. He was lost and is found. You're completely lost when you don't realize that all that you've ever needed is wrapped up in understanding who you are as a son or a daughter of God. And we know that because we look on down where the older brother becomes angry and the father's response to him was, son, you're with me always and everything I have always has belonged to you. It makes me think about those of us who were raised in church and have sat on a pew every Sunday of our lives and how so many in that category still have no concept 
of all that's been made available to them as a child of God. Yeah, they may not go off and do the things that their other brothers and sisters have done or are doing. But you can see so much hate and malice in his heart and bitterness where he had the attitude that God was holding out on him or the father was holding out on him. And the father was saying, all you had to do is ask. So today I want to leave you with the thought and the truth that everything you need, every bit of freedom you need, every bit of peace you need, the righteousness you need is wrapped up in understanding who you are in Christ. Remember which side of the cross you're on. You're on the finished side. And from there, quit running from something and start running to something. That simple mindset shift is a game changer. I no longer run from that scared and weak little girl with no backbone who let so many people do so much damage in her life because she had no concepts of healthy boundaries and toxic relationships and controlling and manipulative people and and was so wrapped up in perfectionism thinking that that she could outrun that voice that was constantly telling her she should be better and do more. When I learned to quit running from that and just run to my new nature, who God said I, who I was, and wrapped up in that was the fact that he loved me with an everlasting love. So whatever it is today that's held you captive, it is so small compared to the love that your heavenly father has for you and the freedom that awaits in understanding who you are in Christ. So father, I want to wrap up this podcast with a prayer that every single listener starts getting a revelation of who they are in you, that you just start having the scripture explode to their hearts when they're reading it. And they see any part that says in him or in Christ or all of those things that they just start looking for those areas. And when they see that written, that they see that that's written about them, it's talking about them and that you start renewing their mind with how you see them and the strong, whole, free person that you have called them to be in Jesus name. Amen. Thank you for joining me on the Laura Mayer podcast today. And I'll see you here next week as we continue learning that being His means being free.